So I'm with my good friend Simon Ticehurst, who is uh, Logsfam's original director for Latin America and the Caribbean. And we got talking about one of my favorite stories of change, the Chiquitano Indians in Bolivia and how they went from being feudal serfs to winning the rights to a million hectares of land over the space of about 30 years. And Simon told me that he was there when we first started working with the Chiquitanos. So I thought I'd get him to download um, some of those experiences for me uh, uh, on, the, on the phone while we're here. So Simon, sorry, tell me again, because I just messed up the first attempt at the recording. Um, what was the first contact between Oxfam and the Chiquitanos? So, um, well, I, I first went to Bolivia. I've, been, I've lived from several years in Bolivia, and the first time I was there uh, was 1995, 1997. So we had just um, made contact with the Chiquitano uh, in, uh, people. Um, they, um, and the context in, in, which we, in which we made that contact was a new legislation. In, in Bolivia related to what was called the, the law for popular participation, which opened up space um, and formal processes for uh, participation of different community groups and territorial groups and, and groups based on identity. So this generated a lot of interest in the, in the, in, amongst the, the Chiquitano people particularly, who were very active in, in the leadership of, um, very active in the leadership at a, at a local level. And um, it, it was in that context that we began to work with, um, with, with a, 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 a geographical focus, but also a thematic focus, looking at how the indigenous peoples might uh, take advantage of these opportunities of greater space for participation. And what did they look for from Oxfam? What was the, the, what was the subject of the conversation? Well, they had... So there was two different levels of, of, of conversation. One was very utopian, idealistic and long-term, which was about the dream of, of uh, having uh, a strong, unified people. The Chiquitanos must be about 130,000, so it's not a very big indigenous population, but, it, but it, they wanted to reconstitute their identity, their language, their, um, and their dream for that, to make that happen, was to be able to participate at the highest levels and so to become mayors of their municipalities and, and, and be able to run the municipalities where they felt they were a majority but excluded. Um, and the other was um, to reconstitute their historical territory of Monteverde, which is this, a million square kilometers of, of land, which had been... They yeah, had a been million hectares. A I million think. hectares, sorry. They had been... Um, yeah, a million hectares. They had been uh, pushed off this land over time uh, by the loggers, the cattle farmers, and the hacenderos, and um, they wanted to reconstitute that. And so that was a long process which required legal uh, legal and accompaniment. You, what did that sound like to you in 1995? It, it sounded like the it sounded like a, 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 a utopian ideal that would galvanise the the, the the communities, but it sounded like a long way off and not very realistic. Um, but at the same time, they were also asking us for um, if we could help them in much more practical ways. So I think one of the first projects was uh, was actually providing a motorbike for you know the project was buy a motorbike you know so the, and the motorbike the the objective was for the, the this leader who was a sort of inspirational figure to be able to go around and get to the communities and start talking with other emerging leaders in this context. And we funded that? We funded the motorbike and the gasoline for the motorbike and um, 
at the time we didn't insist on wearing crash helmets, but I think that afterwards we did because <laughs> they had a couple of accidents. Uh, and but but the um, and was there a log frame for this? Were there metrics no, no, and no, indicators? No, 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 none of this. Not so. The long-term project would never got approved by Oxfam for a start. Uh, and and again, the short-term one was they wanted us to help help their. They one of the ways they were able to start working together was um, uh, by playing football at weekends. So they. Um, they were allowed to gather to play football. It was seen as something innocuous and innocent and, uh, and actually good fun. So they started, um, they started uh, the, the playing football and they asked us to support a, a football tournament. So, yeah, and, and because I was a, I'm a big football fan, I, I think my boss at the time was a bit suspicious that this was just, this was nothing to do with Oxfam. This was a ploy to be able to play football with the Chiquitanos. But in fact, the objective was for them to have space to be able to talk to each other. So around the football games, they started gathering in a very sort of innocent setting and they were strategizing, coming together, developing their analysis and, um, and starting to work uh, across, across the, the different municipalities. And again, this was, in terms of getting approval for this, you didn't have to projectize it. You just had to say, I think this is worth trying. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, we, I, I think we had to, be persuasive in the story and the narrative, but it was more sort of political intuition that this is actually this is a, this is worth worth betting on. It was a you know it was a risk being able to take a risk, uh, and over time uh, you know this this investment you know began to accumulate. Uh, we we also we we set up a a school for for training of their of their leaders, both um, the the both men and women, and and over time more and more women actually started participating in the organization um, and you know oh, when, when you and that was that, what through a partner presumably that, that wasn't yeah, through region. the indigenous organization okay so um so we just funded them to run a training school we we provided support with 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 ngos so we provided some legal support there was a when a couple of lawyers were helping them to understand what what would be the whole process of actually getting getting a land uh, title or a territorial title, um, uh, but also, you know, that these lawyers doubled up as sort of organisers and you know yeah. political activists as well, and, and and so we that was a they provided much closer accompaniment, um, and from our side as well, you know, we didn't want to distort their organisational characteristics, so we we put in actually someone who could handle the administrative and the finance part of it, just as and that person will take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. Um, but they made the decisions on, the, on, on that, but they didn't have to then sort of the become reporting. an NGO and report on all the financial stuff. They, their objective was to be political and, and strengthen their cause and their organisation. And but it wasn't point, 30 years, you know, it was actually less, much less time. It was 12 years from the first 1995 first yeah. application to get in the land. To get in the land. That was, but not only that, when I went back again in 2006, just when they went through the constituent uh, assembly for a new constitution and uh, that was just before Evo Morales came to power and uh, he came in on a wave of sort of effervescence of a new constitution that was drafted by the people and the, and the Chiquitanos um, were very active in, in that. And so we also provided them with sort of the support so that they could develop their own propositions from the perspective of being a a, a, a an indigenous people from the lowlands in, 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 in Bolivia to 
and to put their proposals into the discussions and the debates and participate in the debates of the Constituent Assembly. So, so you were there throughout this period, 95 to 2006? No, no, I was there from 95 to 97, and then I went back. Okay. And when I went back, I went back as country director, and uh, I was there from the end of 2006. Evan Morales, uh, new, newly elected, takes office, and, and a year later, he grants the, the title for Monteverde. So, so what you had thought was utopian yeah, took 12 years. Yeah, took 12 it's years. Pretty, pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just tell me quickly, because it's such a good story, the, about the mobile workshops. Okay, yeah. So, so you know, we, we had to think of creative ways of, of supporting um, the, the indigenous groups. And, and one of them, particularly from the lowlands, their, their characteristic was to take these enormous marches from the lowlands of the, of the Amazon basin to the highlands of La Paz. I mean, La Paz is at 3,600 meters, and to get there, you've got to go over the passes, which are even higher. Um, you know, it's no, I always faint when I go there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's it's a it's a, a, a real odyssey, and so um, on these long marches, which are the galvanized support, they've got people joining up along the way, and uh, when you actually get to La Paz, they have this massive expression of indigenous peoples from from all over the country. With the you know the the rainbow flags of the of the Wipala, which re resembled the you know the, the diversity of all of the indigenous peoples in in the country, they they um, organised these marches and we couldn't support a sort of a protest march across the country, but we were supportive of their march of course and the way we met, we were able to support them was say well we will hold a workshop in Cochabamba which is about halfway to La Paz. For you to bring all your, you know, your people together, and um, you know, and and have a, a training workshop, and explain, that, you know, and the training workshop would be about political organisational formations and strengthening. So it was about analysis of the, of the context, power analysis, at, you know, at the, at the time, and um, uh, and so in order to hold it there, you need some to, some support for transport costs in order to get your people there, and so you know from different parts. And if you want to walk, that's fine. And if you want to walk, that's that's cheaper than going than flying, so that's fine as well. And then the subsequent one in in La Paz, you know, when you come together and draft the you know the the the, the, the policy pro propositions to either for the constituent assembly or for or for political and public uh, policy reform. And, and did Oxfam know what was going on? Was well, it well? We did, and we we knew. Who did you? Who are you getting approval from for this? Um, or was it internal? No, I think at the time, at, at the time, there was uh, uh, there was a lot of sympathy and uh, for um, for what was happening in, in, in Bolivia. I mean, the fact that. Indigenous people historically excluded from everything, from political, social life, uh, were suddenly becoming protagonists of their own story, was something that Oxfam immediately rallied around and was keen to, to support. But also, you know, that the, it wasn't just the indigenous struggle, it was also the struggle of the poor. These are people who've been excluded economically uh, as well, and they were the poorest of the poor, and suddenly uh, were able to become, you know, be able to influence their own, their own destiny and future. So Oxfam was very supportive of, of that. And would you say, I mean, would you say that was one of the best things you did in Bolivia? Was that, is that sort of a, a lasting contribution I, or just one of many? No, I think uh, there, were, there, are, there, are other, there are other stories, but that's, a, that's a, a, a positive story because it's, you know, it's a lot of the idealistic things that we end up supporting don't necessarily come to fruition. And this was, 
this was a good example of um, you know a, a positive story that that got. Um, I mean, I think when I went back in 2008, the Chiquitanos had three of the municipalities where we were working. They had uh, the mayors were indigenous, Chiquitano Indians. And do we have any idea where they're at now? Um, I'd, I'd have to go back. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm sure I'd have to go back. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One one became a senator in the new government in the new government, so he was elected senator. I mean, things have. Um, the, there are a lot of divisions now amongst the, the indigenous people and with the government. So you know, ten, twelve years later, uh, the level of um, the level of uh, empathy and connectivity with the, with the, with the, the transition and the movement for change at the time. There's, you know, it's been, a lot of that's been eroded. So that now, the, the, you know, a lot of the differences. It's normal politics now. Yeah, okay. a lot of the differences have begun to emerge. All right, Simon, yeah. brilliant. That's thanks. If people want to know more, I summarise it in how change happens. But actually, there's a really good. If you read Spanish, there's a really good paper by Edgar Cáceres, is it, or Eduardo? Eduardo Cáceres. Eduardo Cáceres, which uh, which which I'll link to on the blog. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks, Duncan.